welcome to the Recombobulator Lab with Jason Graham Nye and Chris Dominic. All right. So this week on the lab, we are joined by Dr. Amy Panay, Australia's preeminent researcher on alcohol policy. She has a phenomenal background in this space, looking at alcohol policy research at La Trobe University. She's started off in criminology um, and then a PhD in health sciences. And her PhD was looking at social, cultural and economic context of alcohol and party drug use among young people. So um, we are very, very happy to have you here with us today. So thank you very much and welcome. Welcome. Thank you you very much. That was a very nice introduction. Well, thank you. Yeah, we are intrigued about this topic. Sorry, Chris, you go. (laughs) Well, no, it's just, okay, before we get into the serious stuff, because there's serious stuff, I'm just, how often do you hear jokes about the reason why you study alcohol research is because of your initial interest in criminal? Does that come Um, up all the time? Look, you may as well study what you enjoy, and I have always enjoyed a drink. In my younger days, I did used to enjoy going to nightclubs and so collecting data in nightclubs seemed like seemed like a nice thing to do at the time. That's all I'll Brilliant. say. Brilliant. Brilliant. You'll plead the fifth otherwise, right? Yeah, right. I don't, th- I don't think you guys can do that. We Sorry. can't plead the fifth uh, down here. No, no. You don't have any darn fifth amendment. So our one of our frequent guests, uh, who is a retired psychologist, often says that many of his colleagues in the psychology often went into psychology to figure themselves out. So so it all makes sense. All right. Well, listen, we're really curious about so many things. Uh, It's great to have you on today, Amy. We wanted to get started by getting a handle on alcohol consumption trends globally. Australia, but now I have not looked at the data. I deliberately didn't do the research Australia appears to be a pretty prolific drinking country, at least from the eyeball test. Is that actually true? How does it compare with other countries? That kind of thing. Look, traditionally, Australia has definitely consumed more alcohol per capita than the US. Um, But there are a lot of countries in Europe um, that drink as much, if not more. We have been called in the alcohol field um, a, a dry country, which actually means we uh, don't drink as much during the week, but we drink a lot and very heavily on weekends. Mm. Um, Whereas a wet culture is something like Italy or or France or Spain where alcohol is um, prominent uh, throughout the week, but when it's consumed tends to be consumed in, in less quantities. Okay, so Australia is in the category of party countries, is what I'm understanding. That's right, yeah. But right. we're not alone. There's a lot of countries in Western Europe that, that are up there with us. Uh-huh. Is, now, without getting too much into the cultural elements of this, is this something that they borrowed from the UK? Or, I mean, is, is the UK a similar cultural pattern? That's correct, yeah. Look, we, can't, we are descendants from the, the Brits and we drink like the Brits. There are other countries like the Scandinavian countries that drink similarly to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference, I think, between us and the US is um, there are far more abstainers. For example, yeah. in the US, we don't have a lot of abstainers. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and frankly, the, uh, the Brits don't know how to grill like you do. So, okay. <laughs> well, with that, how about the, the composition to other countries? Is there, is there any hard comp- comparable in terms of Australia, or is there anything that's just completely different, just so we get our sense of the the land? 
No, in terms of um, per capita consumption, Australia is uh, fairly on trend with what's happening in the rest of sort of high income countries. Right. Okay. And, okay. and if you start slicing and dicing data, is youth drinking? I've just managed to get two kids through teenage years, so it's top of mind for me. And Chris's was in the same boat. And I definitely had a binge issue as a youngster and watching just the youth drinking culture today in Australia. Is that particularly an issue in Australia? So what we've, and this is what I've been um, focusing my research on for the last six, seven years, youth drinking in high income countries is going down globally. Right. So um, we're seeing quite dramatic decreases probably since about, it started in in around 2003 and there's just been very, very steady decreases ever since then. And I'm talking about underage drinkers especially, mm. but mm-hmm. also young adults. Got it. And we see that mostly um, in high-income countries, uh, mostly English-speaking um, countries or Western European countries, so not so much in the Eastern European and the um, Mediterranean countries. Right. And this okay. isn't in any way related, if you think about the drivers of that trend, if you think about other cultural social issues that governments have stepped in with public service announcements maybe you're at smoking or other things i just read somewhere where this is one of the greatest trends downward in something that hasn't had any psa anything it just sort of happened is that true or has this been a conservative effort by com- countries to help it's really hard to evaluate something like that um we have seen more education prevention you know scientific knowledge on the harms of alcohol and its effect on young people we can't discount that as a cumulative effect that's coming from the media and the parents and schools and politicians Mm -hmm. however there hasn't been a significant change in the policies that we know work to reduce alcohol consumption over that time so there hasn't been a decrease in availability or accessibility or price and these are the things we know that work um and so we've been we've 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 struggled to identify policy as a driving factor for this. Okay. Is there anything, this is anecdotal, around the social media on a phone? So the iPhone gets launched in 2004 or something. I just read somewhere where teenagers are so worried about how they might be portrayed in social media that if they get absolutely drunk, there's a risk to their reputation that that might get put out. Is that complete a furphy? Is that one of those millions of different elements? Look, it does come up in the qualitative data as a reason that young people not necessarily don't drink but might moderate their drinking mm. or be more, much more careful when they're drinking. So the social media aspect of this is really complex mm. because there are many elements of social media that might increase alcohol consumption. You can meet up with people more easily. You can, you know, post your nights out and celebrate, you know, uh, the fact that you're out and having a good time and that creates FOMO mm. and other people want to out with you but then there are the issues about I don't want my future employer to see um, or my family to see a photo of me doing this or it's embarrassing so the there are lots of ways that social media I think increases alcohol consumption but Mm. also um, decreases it so it's really complex that's interesting Jason did Jason did you say furphy a furphy what what we're gonna have we're gonna have an episode on furphy now, um, Amy, as a PhD... You're going to have to translate in, for the Americans. As a, as a PhD, sorry. Amy, could you define furphy? <laughs> it's a lie, right? <laughs> look, it's not something that I... A word that I use a lot, um, so I might leave that to you. I, no, see, she's like, it's all no, on you, Jason. I, you don't. I you, use you can't it, put this on me. I use it. I remember using it with uh, the 
the board of our company, they're Americans. I remember saying in a board meeting, that's an absolute furphy and you could just hear a pin drop and it's like, what's this strange man saying? It's a lie and a furphy, it's funny because there's a beer brand called Furphy's Ale that's just come out and it's, I think, from Ireland and a furphy is a lie and after this episode, I will look it up but it's a very cool little... Okay. Anyway. Okay. There you go. All right. See, (laughs) it's a cultural element. Okay. All right. So, I, okay, so I'm going to just deviate from something really quickly because the other day I sent this to Jason, Amy. It was an article on how in Japan, the government is noticing that they're losing tons of tax revenue because the younger people don't drink. So they've actually put together like a, I don't know, I, I, we shouldn't call it a PSA, but like some sort of marketing efforts to like get the kids back to drinking. I, I, I'm, I'm, you're nodding. I'm presuming you're familiar with this. What's going on there? This is completely unprecedented. <laughs> we could not believe it when we saw this. Like, I mean, there's a bunch of us that were sending it to each other on Twitter saying, what is happening? Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. That, I mean, that is completely the opposite of every sort of, um, you know, uh, duty of the government. Mm. That, um, you know, <laughs> their health. Um, right, because now you're saying that the tax revenue is more important than people's health and all that. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a little weird. And I mean, I, alcohol harms are going to cost the, yeah. the country money. So mm. that just seems completely crazy. Yeah, that's a fair point. Right. Because one of the things that seems to keep coming up that I've been wondering if it's a causal thing with younger people is more recent studies seem to suggest that alcohol has overall more harmful health effects than pe- people used to believe that it had. And I think because of that, I, it, but I, what I don't know is if younger people are reading any of that stuff. I mean, that just doesn't, it doesn't seem like that's what it would be. But it, I, I, I first of all, would you conclude that the majority of the most recent research suggests that uh, some of the benefits we thought about uh, we had to alcohol are maybe maybe not, a, not as strong? Yes, um, I think over 200 disease conditions are causally um, wow. exacerbated by alcohol, including yeah. many cancers. Mm-hmm. It will increase your chance of getting a lot of many of the cancers. Right. Um, I, when we talk to young people, that doesn't seem to be part of the reason they're not drinking. General okay. health and wellness does uh, in terms of they're worried generally about, um, you know, eating better mm. and exercising and in a way that I don't think previous generations were. Um, mm. But they don't talk about the cancers and the, you know, the, the long-term health problems as, as one of the reasons they're not drinking. But if you uh, have a healthier lifestyle, it's probably likely that yeah, the booze isn't helping, mm. right? Yeah, they are um, generally worried about health. They gener- Young people are generally worried about a lot of things, which is one of the reasons I think they're not drinking as much. Can I ask uh, just on that, you did really interesting recent research on the effects of COVID and homeschooling on alcohol consumption. Homeschooling is not, you know what I mean, like that period when, what were the big outcomes there? So we know during COVID that generally alcohol consumption went down, but it only went down amongst certain groups and that pulled it down. Oh. So young people drank way less because they pretend, they, they like to socialise when they drink, mm-hmm. whereas people who were in challenging situations where they had to work and um, teach their children or, or ma- manage their children while they were trying to work and and continue their education and cook the dinner and not be able to go outside, their drinking increased. Got it. Ah, uh, yes. And, and yes. Uh, can you take that longitudinal study forward and look, say, do it? Would, is that kind of an idea for you to do that research in two to three or five years to see if it's 
theme or is that sort of research completed? Yeah, look, those COVID studies are mostly over. I think um, there are longitudinal studies that exist at the national level that will be able to capture that. Uh, And they're much Mm. better studies. We did a, you know, COVID's happening, let's get a convenience sample and follow them up for for 12 months. Whereas there are already longitudinal studies um, in the population that will be able to measure those things. That's fascinating. Okay. All right. So I have some alcohol-free tequila (laughs) in my bar. Now- I know. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for <laughs> shaming me right away. Now, admittedly, I didn't buy it, but I got to admit, I thought it was kind of intriguing. I made a drink with it and it was pretty good, you know, and I've had some alcohol-free uh, beers recently that are way better than the ones that they used to have. And I, I guess I'm just wondering, trend-wise, it does appear that there is a lot of alcohol-free stuff going out into the marketplace. Jason, I seem to remember you telling me that there's an entire bar in Australia that is an alcohol-free bar. We got to this topic and wanted to meet you, Amy, because I kept looking at all of these non-alcoholic beers and then this alcohol-free bar and the alcohol-free gin. I'm thinking, this is extraordinary. The Batuta Advocate, you know, the the fake news site (laughs) the other day said, you know, man spotted buying $60 bottle of alcohol fridge in doesn't realize there's a product category called cordial um, but it's just it's such a fascinating i find it so interesting is this a huge social shift is this is this an ongoing thing or what's going on here it's it is really fascinating for us as well and i know that there's a uk study that's just received 2.2 million dollars to mm. um, unpack the uh, effects of uh, no and low drinks yeah. on um on harm and purchasing and you know gateway and because there's so many things going on here yeah Mm -hmm. they are produced by the alcohol industry and they are a very clever uh, way to make money in it in an environment where drinking is generally going down Mm. so um there are there are issues here especially like if you think about the vaping situation with cigarettes yeah yeah Uh, so there is uh. and there are some people that trying to you know have alcohol problems and and say that the no and low drinks actually got them started drinking Mm. again so there's it's it's a really messy space um in some ways i think it's an excellent harm reduction practice Mm. if young people can now go to a bar and those people that used to not really feel like drinking can have an alcohol free beer um because they don't want to just drink cordial Mm. um Mm -hmm. soft drink um and then you know whereas previously they might have just ordered a drink to fit in or Mm. you know and and they definitely have a place in the market a really useful place Mm. but it's really complex that's so interesting it's funny back in the day remember there was a drink called clayton's clayton's was a non-alcoholic brand of something but it was a majority of when you talked about someone as a Clayton's friend, they weren't a real friend. Um, it was something in Sydney years and years ago. Oh, it's kind of a cruel, it's, oh, isn't it? Like he's a bit of a Clayton's mate. And it's like, ooh. But it seems it's amazing watching the trend shift. And I think those insights, Amy, is so, because I've always was looking at vaping the other day and these complex laws. I'm not sure if it's Australia-wide or just New South Wales, which they're technically banned, but they're just throughout all the schools. Like it's, you go to bathrooms and it's just reeks. And then the question is, yeah, is it a, gateway who owns them all because there's some cool hip little brands that are independent like heaps normals a beer brand i'm not sure if they've been bought yet but you can see if you're a big alcohol company like we've got to get in on that because there's some growth there um no that's really really interesting wow yep yep the other thing you mentioned about the claytons is um we've done research with um attitudes to non-drinkers and people in australia because we're such a, a 
a normalised alcohol culture, um, really do find non-drinkers threatening in a social environment. Um, so they, they particularly think they're a threat to fun, they're a threat to social connection, like I can't connect with someone at, at a party who's not drinking. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but a they're also threat a, to fun. Threat to fun. But, yeah, they, 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 won't, they won't be as fun. The party won't be as fun if there's non-drinkers there. I won't have fun in this conversation if a non-drinker is standing with me. Mm-hmm. And a threat to self, which means um, they make me think about my own alcohol consumption in an uncomfortable way. Um, oh, so these non, non-alcohol drinks might help with that situation. That, that you is invited so Bruce. funny. But so when I moved to the States and lived there for 10 years, I was very much aware that I had come from a binge culture drinking thing. And I think Chris might have pulled me up and said, you might have a problem, mate. And in my later years when I've started to get headaches from drinking, I would hold on to one beer and hold it for the whole party for the very reasons you've just said, Amy. Mm-hmm. I do not want to look like I'm judging you but I'm not drinking this. And it was just, it's such a game you play. It's like, okay, how am I going to fit in and not get hammered? <laughs> I remember when I was younger reading an article in Esquire magazine that had basically an ode to drinking one drink at a party. Oh. <laughs> and it, it was the same argument. It was, you won't look like a bore. You can basically nurse the thing for hours and you you know basically can live a normal mm. life. You won't have to like pay for it the next day. But that was years yeah. ago. And I'll... You know, just thinking about people who are middle-aged, and I, I, I'm presuming that culturally we were fairly similar back in the 80s mm. and that kind of thing when we were coming into uh, drinking ages because actually the Gen Xers were pretty a pretty big party generation, mm. um, at least from my experience. It was We were interested in being adults as soon as we possibly could. Um, we weren't going to be staying with mom and dad any longer than we had mm. to. And it seems like a lot of that is completely shifted, mm. right? There's people who don't drive as quickly. There's people who stay with their parents longer. There's people who um, who are in great shape all the time, even, regardless of whether they're into sports or mm. not. Um, that was something that kind of happened as you got older mm-hmm. and you had to start exercising. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was like, it's just, there's a, there's a bunch of that that's changed and maybe for the better, mm-hmm. uh, if, but it is interesting that you could get, all right, let's just get back to this, this question of the whole bar is the, maybe the whole idea behind the non-alcoholic bar is if everybody there is not drinking, then it, it, you're not boring anymore, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's into the same thing, maybe. And except for the poor guy who drinks, who comes yeah. in there. <laughs> Uh, and he's sad, but <laughs> well, I have to tell you because I have been to this bar that they do sell gin, <laughs> and you know that. And I wonder how you know that. <laughs> no, well, look, we did go there on a work evening because we wanted to check it out. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, no, no, none of us ordered the gin, right. but they uh, had this, oh, okay. they had this huge range of alcoholic drink, uh, alcohol-free drinks. And then, but if you want, you can have right. a gin. Which is okay. that in Melbourne or Sydney? It's in Brunswick. In Brunswick, right? Yeah, in Melbourne. So, 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 is there? Does the record needle sort of rip across the the record when somebody orders yeah. the gin? Though? I mean, <laughs> I, oh, I wonder. I wonder how much. I wonder how much of a cultural so thing that, uh, a violation. Was, I was that very is. disappointed, actually. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> couldn't go the full way, and, right? And have no. Right, right, right. Oh, that's funny. So, okay. So, were the drinks good? Yeah, they were great. And it was nice to have a range of them. Mm. They had great um, cocktails, alcohol-free mm. cocktails and those sorts of mm-hmm. things. It's interesting mm-hmm. because then you get into a place of like really thinking about the flavour, like the experience of the drinking as opposed to the destination, which is I'm going to get hammered, which I always think in Australia was mm-hmm. it was just a destination event. It's like how quickly – and you watch teenagers with goon bags like – 
you know, we've had to host some teenage parties and thank God we've just gotten through that. But it's like, oh my God, this is just a, this is a sport to get as hammered as quickly and as cheaply as possible. And as an adult looking back, you're like, oh my God. (laughs) I think, I think that's the part that you forget about with age is, you know, if you've developed an alcohol palate and you actually appreciate beer, wine, spirits, cocktails, that sort of thing. And you're, you're actually into the process of enjoying those things. When you see your kids, which my kids are very similar ages to, to Jason's, in my case, both of them, one's out of college now and one's still in college. And you can see eight, year to mm. year, they, they go from like white claw <laughs> to beer to better beer to somebody starts drinking wine. I mean, yeah. it, it, they get further and further away from, let me just shoot alcohol into my vein. <laughs> Um, and, and I, so it, it's interesting because I think if you're, if you're at a place where you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm actually trying to, you know, work down on the booze, but if I'm going to have booze, it better be good booze. I don't know. I don't know how that relates to that group. And maybe that's just an age difference mm. and who knows. I think young people more generally are more interested in dining mm. and good quality, um, cafe experiences. So I think it does fit. I, I think there has been a shift in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they have less money. It's a more precarious economic oh, right. environment. And so they save, they, they, a lot of them in, in the qualitative data are saying, look, we save instead of blowing it on alcohol, which is really expensive mm-hmm. um, in Australia, I'm going to save it for one fine dining experience or mm-hmm. one, um, you know, nice cafe experience. And so I think they are a bit more, yeah, the taste mm. quality is important. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, that's fascinating. Um, that, that really is amazing. That's cool. We are getting to the end of our time, but there is a question we ask every guest, and that is the one myth you hear regularly about alcohol consumption that you'd love to debunk. Is there something that the media always says over and over again and you just sit there as a researcher going, that's bloody wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Not like yes, that. Yes, well, with the young people, the main thing that comes up when they hear that alcohol consumption is going down is, oh, well, that's because they're all using drugs. Oh, um, <laughs> which isn't the case. <laughs> it is absolutely not the case. Um, drug use is going down for young people across the board. It's it's promising, right? Don't you can't then say that something else is going up badly. Is are we all looking better now or no? <laughs> no yeah, you know what that sounds like. That sounds like your your loser friend who really hates the fact that somebody else is living a healthier <laughs> life than them. So they have to they have to crap all over the entire group of young people and say that it's because they're all on the they're all on the drugs. I guess so. one thing that's worth pointing out um, is that young people seem to be more worried about the future, Mm. um, both in terms of their own economic and social security, but in terms of like global issues and climate crises and housing affordability um, and social justice issues. Um, They do, uh, mental health Mm. problems seem to be um, getting worse. Um, They are spending more time on their phones and their computers rather than being out with people. Um, And so I think, I, I think it's, it's dangerous to, Alcohol consumption going down is part of right. the broader broader changes in the way young people are kind of doing being right. young. And I think there are some concerns there as, as well as some some positives. Got it. That's oh, good. Okay. So we should probably explore that just a tad because I think the general, most of the literature I've come across researching for this episode is, isn't it interesting because it's so different? Isn't it, is it a sign of a healthier young group? I have not seen too much. That doesn't mean you haven't. Uh, 
that suggests, well, this entire group of people is anxious and depressed. And so they're not going out and partying with people because they're not going out at all. I mean, that's too much, clearly. But is there something to that, though? I really think there is. I think as public health researchers, we have to be really careful about saying alcohol consumption going down is a is a bad mm. thing. I think mm-hmm. we have to be really careful with our messaging there. Um, but I think if you looked in different literature um, focused on youth, putting the alcohol mm. aside, mm-hmm. um, I think you might find a different picture about we should be worried about mm. these increasing rates of mental health problems mm. and um, especially... I'm not sure of the language because I'm not a psychologist, but it's the internal um, uh, as opposed to the external yep. uh, internalizing seems to be, yeah, it seems to be a, an issue yeah, for young right. people and they're, yeah. they're much less happy. So I think if you're looking in a different literature, you might right. find different answers. And would you say That's the trend was there and then COVID was like an accelerant? It wasn't, it wasn't everyone was happy, 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 COVID, oh, my gosh, we not happy anymore. Like, is that true? COVID was just one more thing. I, I'm really not sure right. about that. This isn't my field, but I I feel like for some people COVID was mm. good and for some it was Got bad. It. Mm-hmm. I think the problem it, it did was um, exemplify the um, insecurities about what's happening with um, you know global kind of justice issues. There seems to be big swings to the mm. left and the right, um, mm-hmm. creating more division. But that's not no. again. That's Got not it. my field. Got it. That's great. Gotcha. Can I ask That's one awesome. geeky um, academic question? In in your work, do you use a theory? Have you worked with a thing called social practice theory? Yes, I have. Yep. Got it. And is that a, one of the yes. theoretical lenses through which you've looked at stuff? Yeah, social practice theory is really wonderful. Um, social practice theory is particularly useful for understanding how um, practices shift in a group. Uh, over mm. time and how they become normal or normalised. Yep. And I think that's a big change in, in young people's alcohol use because um, it's not as cool anymore. Mm. And so there's been some practice-based shifts that have happened so gradually um, that, like, its cultural cachet yeah. has really shifted. Uh, in situations, young people talk about being able to go to parties and it's really normal now to be a non-drinker, yeah. whereas previously that wasn't the that's so fascinating. Thank you. I mean, yeah. well, you, you that, that that made you a barrier to find. Yeah, I love that. Yes. So great. That yeah. is such yeah. great yeah. language. And yeah. still, and and still, in in, in middle aged people, that still yeah. keeps coming up. Barrier to find because, because women. Oh, I mean, you invited I mean, Bruce. He's the barrier <laughs> to fun. <laughs> women my age are still drinking as much, if not more, is that than right? ever. Um, so the Gen X women. Uh, the Gen X and the baby boomer women, we're, we're really pulling the, That's the trends incredible. up. That's so All of the big, comp- the big booze companies yeah. love you. Yeah. What, what is there is, you know, we didn't even ask that question. Is there a demographic difference be, um, between men and women in that area or uh, any of the other? We were just going young and old, but there's probably something else in there. I mean, generally men drink more than women mm. in, in all demographic groups. Um, the only difference is men's consumption in the Gen X and baby boomers isn't increasing, whereas the women's is. Gosh, that's so fascinating. Oh, wow. Okay. That's amazing. Thank hmm. you. Hmm. That was such a great conversation. Thank you, Amy. Have you got any other questions, Chris? We've Wonderful. kind of we've, we've, we've peppered you with lots of questions. I think, <laughs> yes, that was awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Amy Penning. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. for joining us at the Recombobulator Lab with Chris Dominic and Jason Graham Nye. Catch you next time.